everyone. I'm Emily Newman, and you're listening to If I Made a Podcast, where we talk about what it takes to build your business from the ground up without sacrificing your creativity along the way. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to If I Made a Podcast. My name is Emily Newman, and I'm the founder of If I Made and the host of If I Made a Podcast. And I'm so excited today to have the wonderful Sarah Winward joining us. If you've been following along at If I Made, you know that Sarah Winward is one of our experts. We have multiple courses on If I Made where she teaches everything from floral design, installations, bouquets, starting a floral business, how to price your florals. Sarah is one of the first experts that we partnered with over four years ago. She took a chance on us and said yes to this crazy idea. And it's been really wonderful over the last few years to continue to collaborate on new courses with her. And I'm just so thrilled to have her today. So Sarah, thank you again for joining us. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. So excited. Um, So I wanted to kind of start off the podcast, just letting Sarah share a little bit about her background and how she got into flowers. I know some of you probably are very familiar with Sarah's story, but for those of you who aren't, I want you guys to get a little just background on Sarah, because I think her story will resonate with so many of you who are maybe potentially thinking about becoming floral designers. So Sarah, I mean, will you kind of share with us, you know, what was it about flowers that drew you in and how did you get started? Yeah, um, I think flowers have always been something that I've noticed, something that's been a part of my life since I was little. I've just in general loved nature. But flowers as a career was something that sort of wasn't on my radar kind of until it happened to me, I think. I had seen flower shops, you know, out and about. I worked at flower shops in high school and shortly thereafter answering phones, um, kind of doing the customer service end of things just because I liked the environment. And then it was there that I learned the names of flowers and learned how to work with them, sort of more processing them, um, but just kind of became comfortable with flowers. And then I went to school and was in school and just kind of living my life, slowly started playing around with flowers more. There was one time I, I rode my bike to back and forth to school and work for a couple of years. And I like rode my bike back home to my house and took kind of a back alley down some train tracks and picked some flowers and put them in a vase at my apartment and just loved them. And I think that kind of sparked something in me where I realized I liked actually making things with flowers. Whereas I, at the flower shop, I was just answering phones. I liked I liked actually participating kind of in that, putting them in vases, looking at them, having them in my home. And then for the next few years, I started doing that more on my own or just for friends, for family. And then I started helping friends out with their weddings. And um, at one of my good friend's weddings, the photographer said, hey, you should do this. This is, you know, you did a really great job. And I thought, oh, no, that's ridiculous. You know, I these bouquets were hilarious. They were pine cones that I actually made in the bouquets. (laughs) I thought, no, this is just a thing I did for Allie. You know, it's Allie's wedding and we all pitched in. But then I started thinking about it more and making things here and there, friends of friends, weddings. And then pretty soon I had someone who I didn't know asking me to make flowers for their wedding. And at that point I was still in school. It really wasn't a thing I was thinking about turning into a job, but it kind of started to take off. So then I... turn it into a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Sarah, I remember from some of our previous webinars that we've done together, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and I think is still so applicable today, even in this world of social media, is when you first were starting out, you actually took arrangements to some of the local coffee shops in your area to kind of 
it was kind of like an organic way of getting your name out before social media was around essentially, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wasn't really a business oriented person and I then I realized, okay, so this thing that I'm doing on weekends or for friends is taking up a lot of my time. So maybe now this is my job. Now I need to find a way to make it more lucrative. And I, you know, didn't want to advertise or I didn't really know where I would advertise. I wasn't acquainted with the wedding industry or really the more artistic world, I think, in the way that I was feeling I wanted to be. So I just kind of went out into town and started finding my people. You know, yeah, I went to coffee shops or yoga studios or little local shops, places that I thought people who might appreciate my flowers would be. And I would just leave arrangements there with a stack of cards or just get to know the people in the shop, you know. And so many of those people ended up being my first clients. So it was kind of a fun way to just go out into the world and find them instead of, you know, what we do now, which is mostly through the computer. Yeah, (laughs) no, I love that. And I, I always actually reference that story when talking to people, especially anyone who is just not a social media, you know, just not into social media. It's not what they feel like they're passionate about. There are other ways, even in today's kind of, like you said, online world where everyone's online, there are ways to get your name out more organically, more personally, more relationally. And I, I just love that story. So I wanted to share that because I think for a lot of us listening, we may not have a lot of experience in business, but Sarah's background kind of shows you that there are so many different ways of starting a business. For some people, that's going to be writing out a business plan and following a very kind of step-by-step action plan. But for Sarah, her business grew a lot more organically because that was what was real and relevant to her. So Sarah, I mean, taking it to kind of to the next step of, so you've gotten a few clients under your belt, you know, how did the business grow from there? Did you get a storefront? Were you working out of your garage? What did that look like? You know, for about the first year where I was kind of just doing this for fun, but trying to make money doing it, starting to call it a business, but sort of even apprehensive to say, you know, I'm starting a business because that sounded too intimidating and almost took the fun out of it. I was making things out of my kitchen and my garage back of my car, you know, parking lots, (laughs) wherever the flowers needed to be, that's where I was making them. And just hiring, you know, friends or my husband or my sister or whoever to help me set everything up. And then about a year in is when I started having, you know, I really only had maybe a handful of events at the time, but I was like, this is too much for my kitchen This little tiny, I think it was like 230 square feet uh, storefront in this neighborhood that I had always loved, I noticed was empty. It was a plumbing supply shop. And it wasn't for rent or anything, but I just noticed that it had been cleared out. So I just went and knocked on the door next door, the building it was connected to, and asked if it was available. And they said yes. And I fixed it up. I mean, my rent was $400 a month and it actually did have a little storage area in the basement that I put all my vases in, but I, you know, I drywalled for the first time. (laughs) I I cut down a chunk of fence at my house and made the trim for the ceiling. And we put, I mean, it was maybe like $800 into it and made it a cute little tiny space. And that's, that became kind of my storefront. And that's where I would meet clients. Um, And that was just my space my creative space, you know, and it felt appropriate, I think, in that time to have a space to put the creative energy for myself and to kind of keep it there. So it felt like something that was more intentional than 
than how sort of all of this started out. So it was really wonderful space. And I think having that, even just that tiny little space that I could hardly fit myself and buckets into made clients really value what I was doing or, you know, felt a little more official. And I think for me at the time, I needed something that felt a little official too, to really launch into investing in this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things about kind of your story, Sarah, that I really resonate with, and I think a lot of people in the audience will too, is is that your business has really evolved over the years to kind of match up with your lifestyle, kind of where you are personal. I mean, I feel like you've done a really good job of balancing that personal and professional, you know, life that, especially as moms, I think that we are constantly juggling. Can you talk a little right. bit about, you know, as your your business has kind of gone through different seasons, depending on you know, different projects you're taking on, what your family situation looks like, and kind of how that's brought you to where you are today. Definitely. Um, that first year after I got that little studio space was just crazy. I took every single job that came my way because that's that's what you do, right? I mean, yeah. I had to, <laughs> I mean, and it was great. And it was so, so wonderful. I mean, it was also just so, so brutal. Um, I was, I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, I mean, I liked flowers, I knew how to make an arrangement that looked nice, I didn't know how to necessarily work with clients or deliver things or kind of just work on the scale that started happening. So that was a wonderful year and a super hard year too. I was just working nonstop and had so many nerves, you know, like I was just so nervous, so scared all the time because I was really pushing myself, which is amazing. Like I, I love... I love that feeling, but I think any person who knows who's started their own business or done something creative, it just, it drains, it drains you so much. Yeah. So it was just like a really wonderful year, but I I think I had 30 something weddings. It was just crazy. And so many of them were small, you know, mason jars and personal flower type weddings. Um, But that was a great way to start out. So started there. And then the next year I started getting clients that I, I liked a little bit more. And I feel like I kind of got in the groove. I knew my style a little bit more. I think I maybe started saying no to some people, (laughs) Um, but that's also the year that I became pregnant with our first daughter. So I finished out that season largely pregnant and had a baby in the fall. And that was just timing, you know, timing's crazy. That's just the way it worked out. That's when it felt right to start a family. And that happened to be when my business kind of hit a good stride as well. And then I'd say the first year or two after my daughter was born, I that's really when I made it. That's when I got the jobs I wanted. They were bigger, but they were also harder. And I had a baby. It was it was crazy. It was like all wonderful, happy things, but working just too hard, I think. But it's okay because that's what had to happen. And then over since then, so my daughter is now seven, I've just every year evaluated what my business needs and what my life needs and kind of tried to figure out a way to make both of those things happy. Um, and that meant taking fewer, larger events. So instead of just working a, a lot on these small events, which I just personally have a harder time making money on, I'm not as good at like the really tight budgeting and there's no room, there's no wiggle room in those smaller events. So slowly I realized, okay, I have to let these ones go, work harder to get some of the big events and just weed through that and find the ones that are right for me in my life and the ones that make me feel that earn me money and or are really creatively stimulating. You know, sometimes they're not both, but I find finding the right balance of both of those is great. So 
now I have two kids yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and still, I think my, my motto right now is just a handful of larger events. And I feel grateful to have those ones, but those are the ones that I think work best for my life and my personality. I'm kind of more of an impulsive person. So I like to work really hard, get it done and move on and have some space and then work really hard, move on, have some space instead of, you know, spacing everything out evenly and kind of staying busy with constant smaller jobs. Yeah. So, I mean, during that transition, Sarah, of like realizing, okay, I've been that first year of taking 30 weddings, saying yes to everything. I mean, I think any, you know, existing creative who has a business and understands that relates to that because I feel like in the beginning, you're just trying to figure out a way to survive. Right. That transition of like taking, you know, kind of moving from saying yes to everything to really trying to focus on a smaller amount of weddings, but larger budgets. And, you know, I know you've been featured in countless publications, both online, Martha Stewart Weddings, I mean, Vogue, Harper Bazaar, and worked with a lot of like the top wedding planners in the world. I mean, I know probably a question you get often is, how did you make that happen, right? How did you make those connections with those event planners? How did you find those brides? Um, can you talk a little bit more about what that that looked like? Yeah, definitely. I know it sounds easy. Like, just take less, <laughs> just get bigger budgets. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that easy, but it also was. I just kind of set that intention. I think part of it was necessity. I just realized hey, I didn't get into this because I'm a business person. Sticking to a budget is hard. There's really zero wiggle room in these smaller ones. So I just wasn't making as much money on them as I needed to be. And also we don't have a flower market here. So everything had to be shipped in or bought through kind of secondary wholesalers and it's just more expensive. So it just really wasn't the best business plan for myself and kind of for the location. So I kind of just had to start saying no to those, especially when I was getting more inquiries than you know I needed. It was like, okay, let's, let's weed these out. But I think just looking at the inquiries that coming in, that come in, you know, read into the client. Is it ask about the budget up front? And I guess that was a huge part of it. I would ask about the budget really just immediately from the very beginning and kind of setting a minimum for myself and not investing too much time into a job unless I decided that I wanted it. And maybe I didn't have it yet, but I really wouldn't give them too much of my time until I knew whether or not I wanted it. And then I was able to really invest in the ones that I wanted and make them what I wanted to be. And someone told me really early on, you know, I, I think we were talking about some color palette or, you know, wedding that I had done a million times that I didn't want to do anymore. And they said, well, that's your portfolio. It's becoming your portfolio, the more you do it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you're, you're right. Like I'm putting this out there. So that's what's going to come back to me. So even if I was doing some jobs that paid the bills, but weren't something that I loved, I, I figured that was okay. I would just not really put those pictures out there. I would make arrangements of things that I just loved. Maybe it was for myself. Maybe it didn't get to be for a client that time. But I would take photos of it, get them out into the world and kind of try and attract those clients and reach out to planners and photographers who had the clients that I wanted to be working with and you know, try and get a job with them. Again, kind of going out there and trying to find my people instead of just like sitting here and waiting for them to find me. Yeah. And then really just valuing myself and my time and my art and 
I don't know how it works, but if you do that, other people will too. <laughs> That's just what I, I found, you know, um, I love it and I respect it. And I also respect my time and then other people do too. So you can start to attract the people who will do that, who also have the budgets and then kind of weed out all the jobs that just aren't right for you because life is too short. <laughs> So, I mean, kind of when looking back, you know, if you were to kind of give a few, I guess, tips to people who are starting out on this, are there things like struggles that you went through? Any any encouragement or, or lessons learned looking back? I mean, I know it's always hard to say I would do this differently because, you know, you may not be where you are today without of go- right. going through that. But just kind of when you're talking to florists who are just starting out or, or any creative who's kind of beginning to follow their passion full time and make it into a career, you know, what would you, what would you share with them? Yeah, I think for me in the beginning, especially because I didn't work for anyone who did what I do. And, you know, while I worked at flower shop, I didn't really have experience doing weddings. So there was just so much to learn. I ended up just doing so many things for free or just thinking like, oh, well they need they need an extra vase. I'll give them an extra vase. Or they want me to come at the end of the night and switch them out into different containers. I'll do that. Forgetting that I should be charging for those things or saying no, or just thinking about it as a business. Just I had to keep reminding myself like, okay, so if I'm going to do that, that's this much dollars an hour. You know, I need to have a helper. I mean, getting helpers is huge. I guess that would probably be my first <laughs> hire staff, um, even if they're not fantastic and you have to train them or they're only good for one thing, like use people for the things that they're good at and get help because that's how I burnt myself out, I think, at first. But I think in the beginning, it was after every event thinking, okay, what did I learn? You know, oh, they asked me for three more bouquets when I got there. You know, I need to add something into my contract about that. Like maybe I won't have enough flowers for three extra bouquets when I get there or post bill for it afterwards. It was looking at every event and thinking, okay, what lesson did I learn here? How can I do that, you know, front load the work next time and not have to have this be a last minute thing or learn the lesson the hard way this time? And that is the hard thing about this job is you can learn a lot of things, but every event is so unique, just like every flower, you know, they're all different. They sometimes they come in the right color, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the bride is wonderful up until the wedding day and then she's awful. <laughs> you just never know. Like you you have to learn every lesson. I really feel like you do have to learn every lesson. And sometimes you won't get the opportunity to apply what you learned from that again, just because every event is unique. But really looking at your contract or your invoice after every event and saying, okay, so maybe I should have charged more for this and just educating yourself on things that might happen again or things that you need to charge more for every time. And just if you can't, you know, if you don't know all those things ahead of time, just make sure you take the knowledge that you learned afterwards and apply it again. Yeah. So pricing is obviously always a huge topic on our webinars. I mean, I feel like that's the most common pain point that people have. They struggle with across all different types of industries. Could you share with our audience a little bit more about your approach to pricing? Because I feel like one of the things that I love about all the different experts that we have at If I Made is you all approach your pricing in different ways. There's not one specific way to approach, you know, pricing an event. And I think a lot of it does go back to kind of what you shared earlier of valuing yourself, valuing your art, to protect it and protect yourself from getting burnout and going back to that place of being overworked all the time because that's not what's best for you and, and your clients. Right. 
I think for pricing, that was a huge struggle for me in the beginning because I didn't, you know, really have an idea. And I also didn't know like what I liked to design yet, or I knew what I wanted to design, but I didn't know how much that cost yet. So it just, it takes a while to get comfortable with, you know, maybe I usually put this many flowers in a centerpiece or I like garden roses in there, X amount of dollars a stem versus these. Some of that just takes practice and takes time. But like I said before, like just write down what you do and then you can kind of work out your rough pricing. So you might, you know, you might make a centerpiece or an arrangement for yourself one day, price it out, add up how much it costs and then multiply it by whatever. So you feel like you know what you should charge for it. And then, you know, every wedding is going to be a little different or every arrangement you make will be different. Things cost different amounts in different seasons. And obviously you're going to use different flowers. But if you pay attention to what you do like, you might kind of get a base pricing in. So I think that's really important. And then I, because I started out doing this just simply because I loved flowers, really with no other goal. <laughs> it it was hard for me to like stem count that just like took all the joy out of it for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but then also it could potentially take all the money out of it too, if you don't. So, <laughs> so I had to find that balance. And I think I do still operate mostly in a way where I give myself a, a, a flower budget, basically. I choose an amount based on, I mean, now I kind of know ish what I charge. I work up the invoice, you know, work it up. If it's expensive flowers, work it down. If it's my, you know, more greens or lighter, but then I set an, an amount that I'm going to spend on flowers. And then that's just kind of like, then after that, it's a buffet. <laughs> I, I order my flowers and I definitely do some rough stem counts, like one bunch of this per centerpiece. And, you know, you definitely take into consideration if you're making an installation or a bouquet, what kind of flowers do I need for that? And then I just order a mix of whatever seasonal, you know, a handful of this, a handful of that. And then when I get everything together, I just make it all look beautiful. I don't say, okay, but I allowed for three stems of this. So every centerpiece has three of this, five of this, 10 of this, 12 of this. And, you know, maybe sometimes I do, but really I just look at the flowers and see what looks good together. And sometimes you end up swapping something you'd plan for the centerpieces into the installation, installation or vice versa. And I don't really like, you know, add up each individual cost of each centerpiece after I just make sure I've spent my budget or stayed within my budget. (laughs) And I definitely usually spend it. (laughs) And then I know I'm okay. Yeah. But I also, it's the same with invoicing. I think in the beginning too, when I didn't really trust myself and clients didn't trust me as much, they'd say, Oh, you know, why is this so expensive? Or if I itemize things out too much, I noticed them saying, well, why don't we cut this and add this instead? And I really didn't like losing that control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of do package pricing. I mean, I, I do itemize actually probably more than a lot of florists do. But um, I usually do like a full table price that includes candles and everything instead of saying like each candle is, you know, X amount of dollars. Sometimes they'll want to get in there and make things up their own way. But I like to keep a little bit of control that way myself. Yeah. So. Well, and I I love hearing this because I think one of the common mistakes that we all make at the beginning of our journeys, or I know I certainly did, was, you know, so-and-so runs their business this way, so I have to run my business this way because so-and-so is successful and that's the only way to be successful. And I think kind of hearing your evolution of your pricing, you know, for you, you realized if I count out every single stem, it takes the joy and the freedom out of it, right? And the same, if I share that exact stem count with my client, they start to nitpick and say, well, let's just take 
away, you know, this bunch of flowers and this bunch of flowers, and then you don't have the freedom to create in the way that you want to create for your clients. Right. Um, and I think it's that balance when, you know, we're first starting out is, is, you know, how can we find that structure that we know we need to be able to make a profit, but at the same time, that freedom to be able to, to create and what that look, and I think it looks a little bit different for everyone, depending on the way your business is structured, you know, your personality and and what you find joy from. I mean, if you're a very type A organized person, you may find a lot of joy in saying, okay, these are, I can only have 150 stems and I'm going to figure out a way to only use these 150 stems. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And I know working with you, I mean, you definitely like more of the buffet approach of this is all I have to work with and I'm going to root, you know, I may use some of this insulation or, you know, I may get to the day of the event and realize, you know what? No, I actually want to move that to the centerpieces. Yeah. So hopefully for florists out there who may be struggling with this right now, or if you're starting your business, this gives you the freedom and the empowerment to figure out, okay, just because it's done this way, maybe by most of the people in the industry, doesn't necessarily mean I have to do it this way and figuring out what's your pricing model that, that works best for you. For sure. So Sarah, I have so much I want to ask you around, you know, we talked a lot about the business and the pricing side. And I think, you know, what you're known for in the industry and why so many florists follow you and look up to you is, is your creative process. You know, how, how you work with flowers, how you see color. I mean, I feel like you're always coming every time I look at your feed, anything I see is always new. It's always, I don't know. I feel like I can instantly spot this is something that Sarah Winward makes. And I know that that's something that a lot of florists are working towards is creating their kind of own, you know, stamp in the world, essentially that's unique to them. So we in the next episode are going to talk with Sarah about her creative process and, you know, how does she work with clients, you know, sitting down with uh, couples and, and taking who they are and transforming it into a beautiful event. So stay tuned for next week's episode where we'll be sharing more about Sarah's creative process. And if you check out the show notes, we've actually got some free training that you can sign up for. And we've got an installation tutorial as well as a bouquet tutorial where Sarah shares kind of some Uh, technique and color palette training and those links are in the show notes so Sarah thanks again for joining us this week and I'm excited to have you back next week yeah thanks Emily we'll talk to you then okay hi there make sure to go to iTunes and rate review and subscribe to our podcast so we can keep coming back to you because we want to know that you're listening Mm -hmm.